Hello and welcome to the Gemcast on Hologram Radio. This is Alex Knight and I am joined by Aline Sims, founder of the Less Than or Equal podcast and science fiction writer Kate Tempest Bradford. In season two, episode 22, Journey to Shangri-La, the holograms try to find Shangri-La, the mythological city where all music and art is kept to add a new twist to their music. When Pizzazz and Roxy end up sick and Shangri-La's music is the only thing that can cure them, it's a race against time to save them. Stay tuned for an action-packed episode. Showtime, Synergy. Episode 48, written by Richard Merwin. This week, Gem and the Holograms are stuck in a bit of a musical rut, it seems. They decide to seek out a man named Andrew, a musicologist, with the hopes of revitalizing their sound. Mm. Andrew asks the holograms <laughs> if they've ever heard of Shangri-La. Mm, okay, but you know, actually, just as an aside, I've never. I learned something when I first started watching this episode. I said, "Musicologists, they they made that up." But then I looked it up, and it's actually a thing. It is a thing. Oh yeah, it's totally a thing. No, no, no. That that is not the the part of the episode that made me go. Mm. The part of it is like, first of all, we open with this dude telling the story. That is, I mean, this dude is like the quintessential white colonialist explorer dude, dude, bro, <laughs> mm-hmm. that goes in and just destroys everything. Like the, even the story that he's telling, which is supposed to be oh so compelling and and like super like, oh, what's going to happen next? He literally talks about desecrating somebody's sacred ground. Right. Like what? what? And how does he know what it, it exists? He seems so certain. Well, Shangri-La, because he read it in a book. <sighs> well, it, uh, also just... Choose your own adventure. Nonsense. It's also just nonsense. I mean, but the, the entire concept of Shangri-La, see, this is the second episode in a row where we have, like, literary references guiding what is going on in the episode. Like, somebody literally bases on a book called that was about Shangri-La. Like, it's, this Shangri-La is completely made up by a white dude. And... And somebody read that book and they were like, this would make a great episode of Jim and the Holograms. Great. Yeah. Complete with the colonialist, like horrible. I mean, this guy's literally Dr. Livingstone. Dr. Livingstone, I presume. Like that's this guy. Like he's, he's such a horrible, terrible explorer type with the pith helmet out of the last century, the, the last century from when this show was on. Yeah. So I'm just like, I, okay, Sure. Let's all go to Shangri-La because we need a new sound. Who are you, the Beatles? Like, right. come on. Ah. Yeah. It's, it, this is, uh, you know, we've had two episodes back to back that are just terrible. But this is terrible for a whole different set of reasons. Renaissance woman was just absurd in the sense that, okay, well, this is not believable. Do these people actually, like, these people are not actors. They actually think they're living in medieval times. But in Journey to Shangri-La... they're all these weird just the cultural issues and the total complete all-out sci-fi fantasy aspect of this which we'll get into so let's let's just jump in and then i'm sure tempest will have some things to say about it i have thoughts (laughs) this show's problematic when questioned if he has been to shangri-la andrew admits that he is not the Hunzas show the way to very few people, and none have ever returned. Jerica asks Andrew what this has to do with music. 
And he explains the people of Shangri-La are keepers of all things musical. But because that's a thing. Yeah. What? But what? yet they've never heard of rock and roll. I don't understand what's going on. What's going on is Orientalist mentality and nonsense. That's what it is. That's what's going on. Just so you're aware. Just so you know, that's what it is. Yeah. Public service announcement by Tempest. The more you know. Tekrat is ensconced in his workshop. We hear an alert go off from one of his computers. It's a gem alert, which tells him of their flight <laughs> plans to Tibet. So he's not only hacked into the database of this uh, of this airline, but he has basically the equivalent of Google Alerts in 1987. Mm -hmm. Look, Tech Rat has always had Google because, I mean, we talked about this before, where somehow he has Google on the internet before other people have Google on the internet. He's Wait, just is he a good. time traveler? He might be. Is he a time traveler? Maybe. I mean, given what happens in the next episode, maybe. I'm just saying. But all I know is that it, it's so funny that he has this gem alert and, and I'm like, okay. It, and then for the first time, I think for the first time in my life, I was like, how does Jem have a passport? She's not a real person. <laughs> because it was a gem alert. Like Jerrica didn't right. make, Jerrica's not flying to Tibet through India. Jem is. I'm just saying. Wow. I it's just, <sighs> so not only is Jerrica a liar and a terrible caregiver of children? But she's a fraud and forges Got some of those passports. forged passports. It's beautiful. She has a forged identity. Of course. Wow. It makes a lot of sense. That's, Synergy did it, though. I'd have to sleep on that. That's probably true. Synergy probably hacked into the U.S. passport database because she can hack it to the IRS, if we remember. Right. And was like, that oh, yes, yeah, a person called Jem does exist, and now they have a passport. And they were like, wait, there we go. TechRack calls Eric Raymond to alert him. Eric asks the misfits if they have any idea why the holograms are interested in going to Tibet. Not that it matters, because the misfits will go wherever the holograms will go. That's reason enough. <laughs> the holograms arrive at a remote airport in Tibet. Andrew introduces the band to Moki, his Sherpa guide. Moki. They decide to get moving to head towards base camp before dark. From base camp, the Hunza village is only a day away. And Andrew and the holograms plan on heading out in the morning. And we get the first music video of this episode called, I think you can guess, Shangri-La. What did you think of the song? <laughs> I feel like that's every song you say that to. But I just... I don't say it to every song. In the last episode, I, I liked the last one. And I didn't make those noises at any of those songs. But mm, I feel like the first song, you were like... Nah. No, you did. You did. Uh, well, that was... That there was a sigh of disgust. No, it wasn't at the song. Well, it was a repetitive song. Okay, I guess it was the song, yeah. not the music video, though, because I liked the music. Right. Video. But okay, like 
I don't know. I I don't know. I don't know. I will go on record as saying that I really like this song. Um, and I think part of it is because I have listened to this outside of its context a mm-hmm. lot. Um, See, I already, I watched this episode earlier today and I've already forgotten. And uh, not to put you on the spot, but I'm going to put you on the spot. Is there, if you remember this song, is there any way you might be able to just sing like a couple of bars? Just, just to sort of remind us of what this sounds like. It's like, Shangri-La, where are you hiding? Shangri-La, I'm on my way. You know, it's, it actually has like. Uh, yeah, yeah, okay, now I remember. Yeah, it has a, it has a nice melody. That's not bad. And um, it, again, divorce of the context of what's going on because this video is kind of silly because they're like traipsing along and they're like peering into a cave. They're like, Shangri-La, are you in that cave? No. Right. Okay. We'll keep looking for Shangri-La. And you're like, whatever dudes. But just the, the musicality of the song, I really like because it just, it has such a great melody and it has, it sort of mirrors emotionally what's going on. It's like, they're searching for this thing. So they're searching and trying to find Shangri-La. And, and so I like that. The the video itself is silly. Whatever. See, and I think that's my thing is I don't have the, the separation from context that you have. And I always watch the episodes immediately before we record. So, you know, at most there's been an hour that I've had, you know, to process it so that I remember it more clearly. So when you have a ridiculous episode with Yeti, I'm more focused on that. <laughs> like I'm going to walk up to the, yeah, I'll talk about that in a minute. Yeah. Well, but like, <laughs> Don't spoil it. Well, I hope people have watched before they listen to this. Um, but so like, I don't have that separation. And so if I listened to it independently, I would probably feel differently, but I'm like, no, Jim, Shangri-La is not in that cave right there. Like, of course it's not. <laughs> what are you doing? And I don't have that, uh, that ability to be like, oh yeah, this is, this is a beautiful melody. Cause it is like hearing you sing it. I'm like, oh yeah, I remember. It. And that was, that was a really nice melody. I actually like the song at the end too, because it's experimental and nice melody and stuff too. Um, but like, I think that's, where those reactions come from rather than like actually not liking it. It's just processing the episode. And that's what I use the podcast to do. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. You know, I too like the, the song, the video is fine. There's, I, I don't really have anything of value to add per se. So, um, but, uh, but the song's fine. It sounds like, uh, you know, it's, it's really, it's kind of just chill. It's relaxing. You know, I feel like I could sort of drift off to sleep. Uh, not in a bad way, but, uh, you know, it just, it's, you know, it's a, it's a good background noise type of song. The Misfits and Eric arrive in Tibet. Eric introduces the band to Mian, their Sherpa guide. Once again, Eric is reduced to the Misfits baggage handler as they force him to bring along an unnecessarily large pile of luggage, although that's what I thought at the time when I was watching this, but I realized a little bit later why they had that much, that much luggage, but still, it kind of sucks that he has to carry it all. It's true, but one thing I did notice 
um, is that the misfits are all better dressed for the cold than Gemma and the holograms were when they, when they set out from their airplane, yes. like they were wearing leggings. And I know that leggings can be super warm, especially when worn with layers, but like they were wearing leggings and not other pants or long coats or hats. Or gloves. Or gloves. Or, or all the things. Like yeah. the misfits showed up and they got fur coats for days. For days. And I'm like, see, these girls know what's up. Yeah, it was it was interesting to me because I'm like, none of you have any training. Like, isn't isn't it a thing where you train to be able to go to these places yes. and use like carry packs? Yes. And that kind of thing. And they're just like whatever we're gonna go we're gonna like look in all these caves and traipse around and climb sheer cliff faces with no like experience in rock climbing and like it'll be fine and like i guess they know it is because they've read the script in advance or something right they were like well this is gonna be okay but yeah you're right like right? They, you know the, the the places that they're going to you know it's not just like oh we're just walking where it's kind of cold like no there's some major like climbing that has to go on equipment that has to be dealt with. People die. People die right. doing this kind of thing on a regular basis, especially left. white people from America who don't know what they're doing. And they're just like, I want to go find Shangri-La and get a new sound. Like, Oh Jesus. The holograms make their way toward the Hunza village, but the trip is not made easy due to a recent snowstorm, which has obscured the pass. It appears Andrew and the holograms are lost. They decide to stop and take a break, and we hear a roaring sound, a sound of a great beast. A brilliant white yeti surprises Jim. Andrew warns her to run away, but she stands her ground and appears to be unafraid. She carefully approaches the yeti, and it eventually warms up to her. But Andrew clumsily tries to touch the Yeti and scares it away. Jem has no sense of self-preservation whatsoever. That thing could have shred her apart. How was she show? How was she so sure that it was friendly? So, so you know how I don't know if if you've heard the news that more people are dying, like in Yellowstone and Yosemite because they go to these places and there are bears and they're like, oh, look, there's a giant grizzly bear. I'm going to take a selfie with it. Jim would be one of those people. Yes, she would. Yes, she certainly would. She would also be one of those people who would go to Australia and be like, look, a koala bear and try to grab it off the tree. And then it's so cute. Right. Because, you know, koala yeah. bears are bears and they're wild and they'll shred your face with their claws that they use to climb up eucalyptus trees to get away from people who try to grab mm -hmm. them. Jim just grabbed that Yeti up. She's like, oh, he's so cute. Oh my God. Right. Oh my God. Also, the Yeti is real. <laughs> yeah, I think I waited for the end to add them. Like, when is she going to actually mention this thing doesn't exist? And very, not what I pictured a Yeti, kind of emaciated. It had been a hard whatever season they were in. Slim pickings in the snow. Yeah. It's a vegetarian. So that's why I don't understand why he didn't just eat Jim. I mean, she's pretty yeah. and all, but she's also a meal. Yeah, it's true. Well, the misfits are not having the smoothest trip either. It turns out that Mian recommends a shortcut to get closer to the holograms of Sherpa, but it will require them to do some climbing, which the misfits aren't all that enthusiastic about. 
While climbing the snow-covered cliffside, Eric slips, taking down the rest of the misfits as well. Their lives hang in the balance. And we cut to a commercial break, because we need tension, of course. <laughs> tension! Eric is but can we, the worst. First of all, but it wasn't even Eric's fault, though. And actually, the Sherpa guy slipped first and then eric slipped. yes but you yes, notice right. that eric was climbing with every bit of luggage attached to his back how dumb is that why wouldn't you spread the luggage evenly across because, us? because those ladies were not gonna carry any because, luggage right <laughs> but like that was you know it, it was just disaster upon disaster it was like that time that that pizzazz tried to go out in a rowboat <laughs> in the ice flow in Alaska. Killer icebergs. <laughs> Killer icebergs. Changes. Like, it's just, you guys don't do well out in weather. Like, I don't even care what Gem and the Holograms are doing. You don't do well out in the weather. Just stay yeah, away. This, this was not a good idea. This was not a great idea. So what should they do? Climb a cliff. Yeah. <laughs> the Yeti tries to lead the holograms through the snow. They arrive to discover the misfits who are perilously close to death. And it turns out the Yeti brought them there intentionally to rescue them. This is one smart Yeti. He's super helpful. But earlier, the the hologram Sherpa guy said that the Yeti would, like the legend is that the Yeti would lead them to the Hansa village, but he didn't lead them to the Hansa village. He led them to these whiny people and then he ran away. <laughs> it's true. Moki, Andrew, and the holograms conduct a rescue, but it backfires on them. After getting the misfits to safety, they abandon the holograms once they reach the top of the mountain. Because that's just what they do. The misfits arrive at the Hunza village, ahead of the holograms. Unfortunately for them, the equipment they brought with them is completely useless, as there's no electricity to be found. And I should just add, the equipment is... I, I can only assume some musical instruments, but those cases aren't that big, so... Did they just bring a bunch of synthesizers? I don't understand. There's they brought no... some, it's like, say about 12 amps. <laughs> I mean, there's no, I don't, I didn't even see any guitars. Did you see a guitar? I saw a guitar stand and like a mic stand, and I assumed then that there would be guitars and mics just in there. Lazy, lazy animation. Pretty much. Oh, well, okay. Let's talk about the animation because. Um, <laughs> Do you see that photo I posted on Facebook earlier of Eric's face with the eyebrow? <laughs> oh, God, yes. So it's just so the, funny. The C team also animated this. C team animated last week's episode too. And I'm like, okay, were they running out of money here at the end of season two? Because what is happening? We have had way more B and C team animated episodes than I care to see. Uh, and all in a clump, right? So there's that. And then during this scene, um, Stormer is talking, but Roxy's mouth is moving. Yes, there was like a lot of that. Once. Yeah, there's a lot uh, of that. So yeah. annoying. So annoying. I'm just shaking my head. I don't know if you can hear it. Just... Pizzazz rudely demands an elderly villager to show her the music they keep secret. But the old woman tells Pizzazz she is unworthy of Shangri-La. You are unworthy. Mm. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. So, look. <laughs> It, there yes. it is. There yes. it is. <laughs> First of all, this 
you know the people in this village like it, they they avoided the the most worst of the like these people are simple and stupid kind of thing um but like this whole thing where like the old lady's like i know where shangalai is and I, no one else does and i'm not telling you and my grand my great granddaughter might know but she might not because i haven't trained her in the ways of the wise woman yet and i don't know where her parents are maybe they froze in the cold <laughs> i don't know because we don't see any other people in this freaking village it's like it's supposed to be a huge village and there's like two women and one of them is too old to go collect things it's just this plot and and it's so it's so like problematically orientalist like and i Mm -hmm. use that term like you know very advisedly because it does come out of like a a sketchy orientalist mindset and that's not super surprising given the fact that this this is based on a book that came out in 1933 I looked it up on Wikipedia and the, the whole conceit of the book itself seems really orientalist. No, it doesn't seem, it is really orientalist as well. But what I find interesting is that this guy who wrote this episode, like clearly either read that book or knows a lot about sort of the, the talk around that book, because like the village that they go to is, is like the name of an actual village that is in the Himalayan mountains, but it's not snow covered. I will note Um, but yeah, it's just, it's, you have all this and then you have like this, this whole thing where like these white people come in and they demand that the old, you know, Tibetan Mm -hmm. woman give them the secret of the music and she won't. I'm like, ah, ah. And why should she like that? You know, like this is a secret that you're passing down from generation to generation. And we're people you don't know and have never met and will never see again. So tell us like, yeah. Wow. Andrew and the holograms decide to find shelter for the night as the risk of getting lost in the dark is far too great. They'll make their way to Hunza village in the morning. (laughs) The misfits talk with a young woman, Lisanne. I think that's how you pronounce it, right? I think that's how they say it. I think so. Yeah. Yeah. The misfits talk with a young woman, Lasanne, at Hunza Village, who is the great granddaughter of the old woman that turned them away. She seems far more receptive to the band. The following morning, we see the holograms arrive at Hunza Village. They're greeted by the old woman, who explains that the misfits arrived earlier and intend to find Shangri-La, but even her great granddaughter doesn't know the way. Jem pleads with the elderly woman to show the holograms the way, but she refuses. She believes there's something false about Jem. I wonder what it could be. Elsewhere, Lasan attempts to lead the misfits to Shangri-La, who explains that only Lowen knows the way, but she seems confident she can find it. Based on what? Yeah, that this doesn't make any kind of sense. It's but, never uh... explained. It's no. never explained. She's just like, I think that maybe if we walk ra- randomly in this direction, we'll find Shangri-La because that's how this works. Let's get to the next music video of this episode. And this time, because of course the misfits are in it, we get a song called You Ought to See the View from Here, which is a repackaged song with a new video. What'd you think? Crickets. <laughs> Well, this this is one of my top eleven favorite Misfit songs. Ah, so you like it? 
Yeah, I like this. Um, I mean, the original concept context was good too, but actually this is one of those times where they repackage a song and the context here, even though it's not the same as before, it works with what's going on yes, in, absolutely. Um, in the episode. The video is stupid. I don't Wh- why do you think it was stupid? Well, because it's like, there's a lot of jumping from heights onto snow for no reason. Mm-hmm. And also a Yeti mimicking pizzazz's movements yeah that's that's pretty stupid what about you aline yeah it was a misfits video (laughs) i mean tempest was saying this is on her top misfits song list nice i mean so by this point i wasn't paying as much attention as i maybe should have been um and typically when that happens That's i go okay. back and rewatch but i i i ran out of time um so i don't remember thinking the song was too awful but i was just so uh over the yeti thing already that i had a hard time with it there you know there there's so much uh there's so much snow in this episode i think we all grew cold to it David. oh Puns, I'll Alex. I'll be here all night. I'll be Puns. Here. Oh. Oh, God. After the video, the misfits get into trouble when they slip down an icy portion of the mountain. I just thought that was so stupid. Like, okay. None of it makes sense. Lasan gets stuck in poisonous snow briars. And yeah, war- warns them to stay away. Snow briars? Okay. I mean, I'm sure that's real. I mean, briars are a real thing. They're a prickly plant, but yeah. no, poisonous sure snow briars? Look, it's dangerous out there in them streets. Right. Pizzazz, oh, Roxy, snow briars are a thing. Pizzazz, Roxy, and Jetta are uninterested in saving Lasan, but Stormer... The soft one, as always, insists on helping her. While rescuing Lasan, Pizzazz, and Roxy are accidentally cut by the poisonous briars and become instantly feverish. They pass out. Lasan warns Stormer and Jetta that they must head back to the village when the Yeti finds them. Stormer and Jetta begin hurling snowballs at the Yeti, but they quickly realize it's trying to help them and picks up Pizzazz and Roxy to head back to the village. Also, rather large, heavy-looking rocks are hurled. Yeah. The, Jetta picked up one that was bigger mm, than her whole that. head. Yeah, and she's yeah, about to it throw it when Lisa was like, wait, stop, I think it's trying to help. And I'm like, good thing you didn't throw that large head-sized rock at that Yeti. My goodness. I just want to be your friend. <laughs> I think it's what it said. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, it's such a friendly Yeti. And they're trying to murder it. Right. And it just grabs them and they're just like, okay, well, I guess that's yeah. going to happen. Also, well, you guys, Yetis are real. <laughs> I know. There's no moment of disbelief at all. Nobody's like, wait, what? It's just like, oh, okay. This this cool. <laughs> At the Hunza village, the Yeti shows up with the Poison Misfits members. Lisanne tells the holograms there is no medicine to cure Pizzazz and Roxy. 
only the magic music of Shangri-La can, can cure them. And this, at this <sighs> point, this is like, okay, you've lost me. No. You've lost me completely. The magical music will cure. Get the hell out of here. <laughs> <laughs> well, because that's what's so odd about this episode, because it starts out with your basic colonialist nonsense, but also very clearly somebody was like, well, the Beatles did it. So Gem and the Holograms can, can too, because I mean, this really does mirror the whole thing of like the Beatles going to India to like go sit with a Yogi and meditate and then get a new sound. And then they came back and they did just that. And so mm -hmm. just like that, somebody has some sort of high opinion of Gem and the Holograms that they're like, we need a new sound that comes from like the tippy top of, you know, Mount Everest or whatever. I'm like, Mm, I, they lost me at that. So the fact that we got all the way to this and it lost you, Alex, <laughs> I think is kind of hilarious. But, but yeah, like, because on the one hand, this could have been not a fantasy episode. You know, there were, because it could have just been that Shangri-La was really difficult to get to and that, you know, the, the way was twisty and turny and only so, some people knew or whatever. But then yes. this just shoved... The, and even with the Yeti, you could be like, well, there's, there's animals up there that nobody knows about. But now it's just shoved all the way into the fantasy column, which is very interesting because we talked about this before. We're all like in, the, in these cluster of episodes here at the end of season two or mid to end of season two, there's a lot of stuff that's like actual fantasy, like beyond just, you know, the... AI computer sitting back home, but like actual fantasy stuff is going on. It's kind of interesting, mm -hmm. but also weird. Jem makes a plea to Lowen to show her the way to Shangri-La to find a cure for Brazaz and Roxy. Otherwise, they will die. Lowen could care less and will not divulge the location of the secret she city. She cares so more than this. She cares way more about the secret of this lost city than saving lives. Mm -hmm. I, I'm dumbfounded. Dumbfounded. What is well, so special about this city well, that you care more well, about human lives? Mm, well, okay, but here's the thing. I, I can't be mad at her about that because these Americans are the worst. Like, they're just the worst people, like, rolling up in her village. They didn't even bring a present. They, you know, it's they true. didn't even ask nicely and they're coming there to exploit her culture. Like that's what they're there to do. They're not there for like culture exchange or mm. like, when did they even like sit down and talk to this woman? All they did was demand the way to Shangri-La. Even general right. holograms came demanding the way to Shangri-La. Yeah. So if I was this woman, I'm like, mm -mm, nah, can't come take all my cultural that's, artifacts yeah. just cause. So people are dying. Oh, well, people die that's, up here on the mountain all the time. It shouldn't have been the so, briars. Yeah, that is uh, that is so unrealistic, isn't it? I mean, white people would never exploit another <laughs> country's culture. How can you even say that? I mean, Not that even like, never, like, never like, happen. <laughs> I, I believe there is no record in history of that ever happening. How can you be so deadpan as you say that? Because I, <laughs> I know you know. That you're being absolutely I ridiculous. I don't know where you get your information, Aline, but I believe that is factually incorrect. You're just Thanks for calling. Thanks for calling. Look, he made a pun earlier. We can't trust him. We can't trust him. Oh, no. God, Alex. You'll never know with me. Uh, okay, where are we? Oh, yes, I have my notes here. Cut to a commercial break. And we're back. 
better keep that in, please. Only the pure will find the way to Shangri-La, and Jem is oh, false, gosh. according to Lowen. Jem has an epiphany. It's her holographic counterpart that the old woman has a problem with. So, of course, Jem says showtime's over synergy, and Lowen hands her the map to the lost city. Just like that. Doesn't it must even be blink. magic. It she must doesn't be magic. even She doesn't even blink. Also, why is it a map? Why is it a map that's kept in a chest that doesn't even have a lock on it? on it? It doesn't have a lock on it. I'm like, oh. just don't know. Like, it should be know. that Lowen had to take them there. I mean, if we're going right, to be this right. like mystical, mm-hmm. magical thing where you have to do the thing, you don't just hand somebody a map and be like, oh, it's over there. <laughs> yeah. This, this whole, oh God. But hold on. How did Lowen know something was wrong with Jem? If the holographic projection stuff is so realistic that nobody, nobody else up until this point has ever sensed anything unusual about it, how the hell? So is this just like another supernatural aspect of this episode? She like senses something. Yeah, she's the mystical, magical old woman, Alex. Like this, not she, only old, not white woman. Right. She's a mystical, magical yeah. brown woman, and like she's here to. I mean, this is all hero's journey nonsense. Like all of this is hero's journey nonsense. And so yeah, like she fulfills that role to be like the obstructionist mystical magical old woman until something is revealed she's like oh you're worthy usually somebody has to actually do something in order to be worthy but jem just had to be like oh you just wanted to see jericho okay jem has to be pretty yeah andrew moki and the holograms make haste to shangri-la but not before almost giving up the group reaches the top of a mountain but all they see is a thick mist shrouding the mountains well, the mist parts, and Shangri-La is finally, finally revealed. Oh my god, this nonsense. Can I just... I sandwiched, by the way, second. sandwiched between these mountains. I mean, how the hell did those people get up there and build that? I just don't... They floated. <laughs> <laughs> That's what happened. They floated. But look, yeah. I wanna, On the clouds. I want to read something, because, I, like I said, I looked some of this up before um, we recorded this. And I want to read to you from the Wikipedia entry for Shangri-La. It's a fictional place described in the 1933 novel Lost Horizon by British author James Hilton. So, hey, look, it's all kinds of colonialist nonsense right from Mm -hmm. jump. Hilton describes Shangri-La as a mystical, harmonious valley gently guided from a lamasery, which lamasery, I think it's lamasery because I think that means that like there's a llama in charge. Enclosed in the western end of the Kunlun Mountains, Shangri-La has become synonymous with any earthly paradise, and particularly a mythical Himalayan utopia, a permanently happy land isolated from the outside world. In the novel Lost Horizon, the people who live at Shangri-La are almost immortal, living years beyond the normal lifespan and only very slowly aging in appearance. The word also evokes the imagery of the exoticism of the Orient. In the ancient Tibetan scriptures, existence of seven such places is mentioned. And then it goes on to talk about the seven places. But I just want to say, like, this dude read Lost Horizon. He read it and he was like, that's going to make a really great Gem of the Holograms episode. Just want to point that out. (laughs) The 80s were a problematic and more innocent time. There's no excuse for this. (laughs) Garbage. Yeah. 
The doors of Shangri-La open and we are greeted by a jovial gatekeeper who claims it's the birthplace of all things music and art. I saw his pants. Oh dear. Oh dear. Not just the pants, his voice. I mean, just uh, everything about this bothers me. It's so wrong. I mean, it's clearly voiced by a white guy, but... uh. The holograms tell the gatekeeper that time is of the essence and they need the cure for the poison misfits. The gatekeeper says the only way that will happen is if the band plays for the High Lama, who is the chief guardian of all of the world's art. Also, people don't age in Shangri-La. This episode is full-on science fiction fantasy. What is happening here? Like, the guardian of all the world's art and music? What does that even mean? Well, it means that he is literally standing guard, and he's like, no, you can't have that. But you know what? What would have been cool is if Shangri-La actually looked like it was the place that that was a sort of like repository for all the art and music and and such in the world. Like it looked like a place that was not only inhabited by like strange guys who look vaguely Tibetan, but also look vaguely like stereotypes wearing terrible pants. Like mm-hmm. not just that, but like sort of that it was multicultural, that you could see lots of different kinds of people in there. And, you know, they did, you know, it wasn't filled with white people or anything. Like, it looked like it was filled with the same kind of people who would be in that village if we had seen any other villagers. But <laughs> beyond that, it's just, it's weird that they're like, oh, it's all art and music. And, but it didn't like seem that way. And they look, I, I, the guy didn't even sound like he had ever heard of rock and roll. And right. I'm sort of like... Right. I was just, I was just trying to place the accent. Like, what was that? What was that, that is, accent? That is generic, vaguely Asian Himalayan accent yeah. number two. Terrible. Terrible. The other thing that that actually I had forgotten this about this episode, and it really annoyed me was that okay. So he says that he's going to take him to the High Lama because he's the keeper of all the music, and Jem says she's going to go, and the others are like, "Let's look around." And I'm like, "Excuse me, excuse me, excuse me. You're all musicians." Shouldn't you all be going? Like, why are none of you interested in this? Like, if I went to Shangri-La and somebody told me that they were going to take me to the guy who, like, knows about all the music everywhere, and I'm a musician, which I am, I'd be like, take me to him right now, and I hope that I can learn from him. But only Jem goes. And Jem is the least actual musician-y person in this group. Like, not to throw shade, because, okay, people throw shade all the time when you're in, you know, musical circles on people who only sing. Like, you're not musicians, you're just a singer. And I hate that kind of shade because F you. Singers are are musicians. Singers are musicians, but all kinds of shade gets thrown at people who just sing. But it, it is a thing to be a person who only sings, who doesn't seem to play any other instruments. Like, and I don't think that actually we have seen Jem or Jerrica play other instruments. So these other women play instruments they have just as much or more of a claim to being a great musician as Jem does why did they go sightseeing i have no idea i think the writers were out to lunch on this one Jem meets with the high lama and explains the situation that pizzazz and roxy are in she asks for the cure the high lama hands Jem an instrument and offers to play music with her he says it has been known that Shangri-La's music can cure the poisoned. Oh my gosh. But the music never leaves the city. 
As the two of them begin playing, the High Lama compliments Jem's talents and hands her one of his sacred instruments. And I like that. I thought actually that was a kind of a funny little scene there when Jem's like, you know, uh, I think she says something like, you know, are you going to teach me the cure? He's like, no, we're right now we're drinking tea. Like, pay attention. <laughs> the High Lama is salty and I'm here for yeah, it because like he's that. like, woman, stop it. Stop being a fool. We got work to do. <laughs> Ask me stupid questions. <laughs> and I don't blame him. But yeah, it's, uh, because that was the other thing when he said that the music of Shangri-La never leaves here. And I'm like, so it's not really so they the get cured and then they die. They live. They become immortal. I don't like, understand. Who knows? But but also just the it's supposed to be the repository or the, the place for all music emerge from. Yeah. But no music has ever left here. So like, I really think that somebody was just being really lazy about all this, quite honestly, because they're like, whatever, it's children's television. Nobody's going to pay attention to this. Meanwhile, 30 years later, yeah. we're tearing it apart. A podcast. <laughs> who, who wrote this again? I don't know. Uh, somebody, somebody who, Richard, if they ever listen to this, they're going to be like, Richard, <laughs> Richard Merwin. <laughs> so have you ever stopped to think, and this is, this is a slight derailment. I apologize, but have you ever stopped to think how awful this show can be in some respects, like this episode, the episode in China, the one in Mexico, like the stereotypical awful things that happen in some of these episodes, but they got something so astoundingly right like tech rat having google alerts yeah. and like synergy being able to look through the irs's records and that kind of thing and how odd well, it somewhat is prescient, yeah yeah the the like in a lot of ways it almost seems prophetic because i don't know did the average person know in the early 80s that we'd be where we are today i mean that all had to have seemed really fantastical well maybe not really fantastical but pretty fantastical but it was too much for them not to make this episode and the episode in china as awful as yeah. as they were well you know i think it it's partly i mean cuz we're talking about we're talking about the reagan era so like there's that um help me out here but there was there was a name of a of a movie like a hacker movie that came out. I can't remember who was in it, but then like famously Reagan saw it, and then he was like concerned that that some somebody could like a teenager could hack into the computer systems of the government in was the mid eighties. So, was it? Yeah, war that games? was it. That's okay. what it was. And so yeah, so so I I think there was a lot of that fear at the time because keep in mind like the you know this is 1987 so the computer industry at this point already is in pretty full force so I think there was a lot of that that concern I I mean maybe I don't know I mean maybe not so much in personal computers because a lot of them weren't networked per se but definitely the government had a lot of concern like the internet is that yeah. i don't know but no you're right there there are i think to to the credit of this show i think uh, there are a bunch of things that were very forward looking for sure jem meets up with the rest of the holograms and interrupts a picnic which doesn't make kimber too happy come on kimber people are dying they don't care though <laughs> they're under the spell of shangri-la she's like no no screw that i want to finish my sandwich right well also, they're like, well, we're thinking of staying. And I thought that that was going to become more of a thing because I think when I was a kid, I interpreted it as Shangri-La was trying to keep them there. Because they, 
I don't think I they can see. Said I it. can see how you can think that. Yeah. I don't think they said it in this episode, but I remember from a kid remembering something about how if you left Shangri-La, you could never come back again. Yes. And I even had a nightmare about that once. And I just... It's kind of foreboding. It, it is very foreboding, but like it seemed like Shangri-La was sort of putting a spell on them. And, and it, I could see the appeal of it being a musician, being like, wow, I could stay here with all these people and just learn music, even though they didn't go see the High Lama to learn the damn music. But yeah. stay there and and learn the music and be like immersed in art and yes. music and stuff all the time. I could see how the appeal of that. And I wanted it to be a little bit harder for Jem to like get them going. She'd be like, oh no, they're under a spell. But no, she was just like, everybody get up, let's go. Quit being whiny yeah, babies. I'm like, oh God. I felt it was very abrupt. Uh, because right after the picnic, they just leave. They up and leave. And going back to what the High Lama said, he said the music never leaves. So I'm curious. Uh, like This is never explained. I'm just going to chalk it up to, to shoddy writing and, and a lack of time. But why do you think the Lama said that, but then he just gives Jem the instrument and the, uh, they allow the band to just walk away i, I don't yeah, know how was... you explain this how, how do you make yeah. sense of that you say one thing and you do the other with no consequences well he did say something like well maybe your world needs a little bit of our music mm. um because i think what when he said you know usually our music doesn't leave it's not because somebody's holding a spear to their head like in that last episode where people were holding just spears to people for no good reason because they weren't actually in the renaissance but whatever um so nobody's holding a spear to their head but i think the idea is like once you get to Shangri-La, you don't want to go. Why would you go? Basically, the only reason why any of them left is because they felt this obligation to keep Pizzazz and Roxy from dying. Which, you know, quite honestly, if it was me, I'd be like, nah, I'm sticking around here. Those girls can just deal with it themselves. They knew what they were getting into. I'm a terrible person, though. So don't follow my lead, kids. Always go save people. Even if it means leaving <laughs> the most magical, wonderful, musical, artsy place that you could ever be in. I'm kind of with you, though, because yeah, they're just, awful people. Right? I just wouldn't. Yeah. So, well, they head back to Hansa Village and Stormer's uh, concerns grow as Pizzazz and Roxy's condition escalates. Lowen scolds Lasan and tells her the mistakes she made was enabling the Misfits' greed. Do you think that's valid? Do you think mm -hmm. she did the wrong thing by helping the Misfits? I mean... She didn't really know any better, did she? Yeah, Misfit's going to do what they want. And Lasan looks pretty young and she seems just like, well, maybe she doesn't have, maybe she doesn't hold the city, you know, sort of in the same light that her great grandmother does. It's no big deal. Right. And then that, right. that is, that aspect is realistic. You know, we've seen that in past episodes and it is in real life, you know, the, you got this generational gap and, you know, somebody tries to pass on. Uh, certain family traditions, uh, you know, and, and I've heard of this in, in happening with um, uh, with native people as well too. Like, you know, you have you have someone who, like a grandfather, who might be want to pass on these these sacred traditions, and maybe maybe the the children don't necessarily believe in spirit animals, for example, and so they sort of issue those the the more fantastical spiritual aspects of it. So I thought that was realistic. Well, but we don't really have any context for that, though. I mean. 
No. It's all based on a bunch of stereotypes, so it totally could yeah, be that. Absolutely. But Lisan didn't even know the way. Like she had and, and it didn't seem like her great grandmother was even trying to teach her the way. No. Quite honestly. Mm-hmm. Like maybe she taught her mom and and her grandmother, and maybe they went to Shangri-La and abandoned her because she's the worst. Um Lisan is unworthy, clearly. Yeah, she's she's totally unworthy. So I do think that like the grandmother's, you know, rebuke was valid, mainly because she's I her rebuke could have even been, you didn't know where you were going. You took people up into snowy, terrible, dangerous conditions without knowing where you were going. You were going to get yourself and all your friends killed, which is what she almost did. Right. Gem and the Holograms arrive with the magical musical instruments from Shangri-La and they begin playing, which leads us straight into our final video of this episode uh, by the Holograms called Let the Music Play. What do you think of the song and the video? I'm thinking of the video. I liked the song. I, I think I'm. I find that I like the songs that feel more experimental than kind of the the oh this sounds like a Jim and the Hologram song. So I think they kind of succeeded in their quest. Um, in that regard, anyway. Um, I'm trying to think. It's a very trippy video. Like the at this point, like while the video is playing, presumably Roxy and. Pizzazz are getting healed, and it's just, it seems like a like a drug trip. Yeah, it does. It's and very, the, like, the reminiscent of, like, a seven, like, a Woodstock video or something. Well, it's basically, once again, we return to the Beatles going to India to get a new sound and coming back, and sitars were suddenly there in the mix. Yes. Yeah, and so it's like, oh, it's kind of like that. The video, the visuals were kind of interesting, but I couldn't help but think, God, if only this had been animated by the A-Team, this would be so much oh, prettier. Yeah. Yeah, there wasn't a lot of movement happening. No, there wasn't. Like, but you could tell what they were sort of going for with like the sort of you know patterns that were shifting, but they were the, sort of the same pattern and and lots of like lotus blossom type of things going on. So sure. yeah, it was it was like pretty a kaleidoscope. Mm-hmm. It was pretty enough, but the A team would have animated it much better because as we've seen before, the the A team when they get to even the B team when they get to the music videos, that's where they sort of get really artistic and beautiful. Um, so this was pretty, but it could have been prettier, but this, I like the music a lot and it, it is very trippy. Yeah. Well, this is the end of the episode, uh, but right before we wrap, Zaz and Roxy make a miraculous revival and they insist on finding Shangri-La. Well, maybe not so miraculous, depending on how you, how you look at it. Cause of course they're going to, they're going to make it for a brief moment. The misfits catch a glimpse of the city, but it vanishes into thin air. Oh my goodness. Because they're not worthy. And then, of course, we get a repeat of... Which, actually, you know, I, I've already completely forgotten now, but they repeat one of the music videos at the end. I don't remember which one it was. They though. repeated Shangri-La. Shangri-La. Okay. Yeah, they just started playing. And it was weird because, like, sometimes they go, and now, a repeat. But no, they didn't even right. say that. Yeah, just they just went, went right, right into, into it. A repeat of Shangri-La. Was right. Lazy bastards. <laughs> oh, God couldn't even be bothered to do that that would have been a copy and paste of the audio seriously they didn't need to re-record that just take yeah god copy and well paste. probably the song shangri-la is not getting released on Lindsay's show so they're not gonna play no. that one on mtv yeah. uh any other final thoughts shangri-la I better or someday. worse episode mm-hmm. or the same as renaissance woman i think in in uh, every way this is actually worse 
I well, uh, it has the prettier music though. It has better music. the uh, The plot feels more coherent, but there's also the uh, the problematic elements. The problem, uh, the, the blatant racism, um, in it, like uh, yeah. But is that racism though? Yes. I mean, would you define like a? I mean. I don't know about it, that. Like a stereotype yeah. is not a racist, like a racist thing, though, is it? Yes. I guess it can oh, be. Yes. Yeah, pretty much. Like yeah, you know, it's basically, if if the stereotypes are based on offensive nonsense, right? Okay, then yes. sure. So, and, and I think again, it's like this weird colonialist attitude, um, the weird Orientalist themes, and I'm like, okay, but if unsurprising given the source material and Mm -hmm. i have to say though it's it's a really weird thing to feel kind of like i don't know i feel a way about the fact that this is based on a book like and i don't know if that book is obscure necessarily but like this is a book that was written in 1933 or published in 1933 and so the and it's clear the source material for this and it's just like the last episode where there were all these literary references and I feel like on the one hand, that's like an elevation, like literary references and gem of the holograms. But on the other hand, the source material, at least for this, this episode is really problematic source material. So mm-hmm. it kind of like dips it back down into, Oh, Oh no. Even with the little slight elevation that being based on something literary gives it. Yeah. I, I guess I feel like I have to default to if there's racism in the episode, I have to automatically rate it as the worst. So I'm calling this worse than the previous episode, even though I felt like it made more sense just because I just, I feel like I have to draw a line somewhere and that is one of my lines. Yeah, I couldn't have said it any better. You've been listening to the Gemcast on Hologram Radio. I'm Alex Knight here with Aline Sims, who has a awesome podcast on the Relay uh, podcast network called Less Than or Equal, which you should check out and subscribe to in iTunes or your favorite podcast player of choice and head over to relay.fm forward slash L-T-O-E to check that out. Uh, find her on Twitter at Aline, A-L-E-N, and of course her website, alinemean.com, where she blogs semi-frequently, I think, less frequently Pretty lately. Infrequently. Infre- once let's every, say infrequently, then. <laughs> once every three to six months. Right. Yeah. And ktempestbradford.com, the best place to find all of your writing links to your social media youtube channel and whatnot you can follow her on twitter at tiny tempest i want to bust in and say something though before you do the thing i'm going to bust in and say okay so the last many episodes of gem and thus this podcast have been kind of uh i mm -hmm. but we're getting we're getting towards the end of season two where there are like three really solid episodes that happen. And then, and then people, season three, it's coming. Hold on. Bear with us. Like, continue on this ride with us because season three is coming. Right. Hold coming. on to your butts. Right. It's coming. Okay. I feel like while we're doing this, 
like we had some really solid episodes there for a good while and then all of a sudden it's not yeah, so it great anymore fell off the wagon yeah the first half of season two was far stronger than the second half yeah. of season two has been i have a feeling i'm gonna remember season three a lot more in fact i i'm very confident i will just because this this always happens with shows when i do a rewatch uh and then when some time has passed it's always like the last maybe two or if not the last season of the show that i remember the most because that is the most fresh in my mind so so we'll see but i'm really looking forward to this because we got obviously the introduction of new characters so that's always fun is this where these lizard people I've heard so much about come in? Yeah. Yeah, they become regulars, actually. Uh, they uh, they move into Starlight Mansion, and uh, uh, they join the holograms, and uh, they form mm. a new band. You a mega band. <laughs> yeah. God. It's yeah. like Voltron. Yeah. yeah, they're they're uh, they're renamed, actually, rebranded to the Hollow Lizards. Ooh, that sounds very Star Trek-y. I like it. Yeah. Hollow Lizards. If you'd like to show your support for this show, the single best way you can do that is to head over right now, right now, to patreon.com forward slash hologram radio and please become a regular donator and join the other fine people who have decided to support the work that we do on this podcast and the network at large. You can also support us by shopping at Amazon using our links. Uh, we've got links for Amazon UK, USA, and Canada. Head up to hologramradio.org forward slash sponsors and click one of those links. No other work needed on your part except that you support the show when you shop at Amazon. So why not do that? Subscribe to the show in iTunes to ensure you get every new episode each and every week. And please do leave us a rating if you have not done so yet. And remember, if you do leave a rating, we will mention you on the podcast. So go do that now. You can follow the show on Twitter. We're at Gem Podcast. And if you'd like to find out about some of the other shows that get posted, uh, you can head up to Twitter and follow Hologram Radio. We're on Facebook as well under Gem Podcast and Instagram, Hologram Radio Shows, and email. Send us feedback which goes to all three of us, gemcast at hologramradio.org. Do we have another train so, wreck next week? <laughs> I have a feeling It's not exactly a train wreck. It's a time so, travel episode, so, isn't it? Yeah, it's not exactly a train wreck. What it is is that it's another episode where you're like, how is this even possible? But, but it's also another episode that is firmly, firmly, firmly uh, science fiction. All right. So. There's that. Until the next train wreck. Hopefully not. Show's over, Synergy.